uh, what we're doing is we've begun something called the hardest summer. Now, on August the 29th, we're going to have another mass baptism service. Uh, if you've never been at it, it's one of the most emotional experiences we've ever had here in our church family. We set up pools all over the church. We're going to share a message about what it means to come to know Christ. And then we're just praying that hundreds of people will come in their clothes and just be baptized just like in Acts chapter 2. Now, uh, we want to just encourage you to be praying for who to bring. Now, here there, there are cards available that you can pick up on the way out. And I want to ask you to do this. Would you take a bunch of the cards and would you pray about who you want to invite, not only on August 29th, but in the Sundays preceding it. And we're in an area of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus begins to call people to a, an amazing life, but to be committed to it. And so today we begin that. Next week we pick up. The next week we pick up. And it's all about what it means to really, truly enter into this relationship with him. And so in, in four different ways, Jesus invites people to do that. So we're going to be doing that today, next week, the week after. Then we're going to have our baptism Sunday on August 29th. So pray about who you can bring, who you can email, who you can call, who you can text who you can give a card to and say, hey, come with me and, and be praying and praying. They'll say yes and you'll bring them. So we're going to um, ask you to do that. The other thing I want to say is if you were ever baptized on one of our, our baptism Sundays like that, we'd like to get your story. And so after the service today, if you would take time to come up, my assistant Talia will be here. She wants to get your information. We want to video uh, you. In other words, get your testimony on film. And so if you could stop by, let us know who you are. We'll arrange to do that. That would be incredibly special. Now, if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be today. One last thing while you're turning there. Uh, we are kicking off a brand new ministry in our church, and I'm excited about this. It's our wrestling ministry. Yeah, yeah. We have an incredible number of gifted guys in the church who are incredible wrestlers, They've come together, and we want to do a, a wrestling club. We're also going to do a wrestling camp for fourth grade all the way up. And, and, and if you want to find out more, there's a table outside. But it's going to be very Christ-centered, and it's going to be an incredibly great bonding time and a great time of exercise together. And, and it's just going to be character building. So uh, if you have kids you want to sign up, make sure and go out there afterwards. If you want to know more about what you can learn in that, go ahead and go afterwards. We'd love to have a lot of our senior citizens wrestle. So uh, go find out. Uh, but, but it's just going to be a great way to bond together and build community. And a very, very centered on Christ. So anyway, uh, John and all those guys are out there afterwards. Love to talk with you. Let's pray again. Lord, I love you. And I know you've called us to live a life that's amazing and incredible and awesome. And I pray right now, Lord, we'd just open up to it more than ever. And I pray your spirit would begin to touch every one of us. And, and may, we, may we tune in, especially to the things that you want us to grab hold of. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what we want to do in our lives is never get off track or off target. Matter of fact, it's interesting. The word sin literally means to miss the mark. And so very often we think of sin as something we should not do, which, by the way, we shouldn't. But it's also not doing the things we should. And, and, and when that happens, we end up missing out on the amazing life that God has for us. Jesus is going to call for us not to do that. But I think it's very easy at times to not quite have it right. For instance, there was uh, some children who yelled to their mom and they said, Mom, come out here. We're playing with kittens. And this is what they were playing with. 
<laughs> yeah, that wasn't quite what we want him to do. Um, so, you know, that can happen. Uh, uh, it happened to my wife, Pam, recently. Uh, we were in Indianapolis at a convention. I was doing a seminar, and I came walking out, and Pam had been in the display area, and she ran over to me, and she said, Chuck, Chuck, I need $60 so I can buy a purse to support human trafficking. And I looked at her and I said, what? She goes, yeah, I want to support human trafficking. And I'm like, no, Pam, we're against human trafficking. No, I don't want to buy a purse to support it. You know, and of course that isn't what it was, but I, I thought that was funny. But anyway, Jesus is coming to a place in the Sermon on the Mount where he's saying, I want you to get it right. I want you to get everything that I want you to experience. I want this to be yours. See, he began in Matthew chapter 5 by saying eight blesseds. And the word blessed comes from the Greek word makurios, which literally means to be supremely happy. And why is he saying this? Don't miss it. Jesus said, if you have these eight attitudes in you, you're going to find yourself not being happy every single moment, but you're going to find yourself living that incredibly happy life. Why would God say that? Why would he do it? If you haven't caught it, it's because he loves you. You see, God's great desire is to have a relationship with you where he's your Abba Father. The word Abba means Daddy. And Jesus is saying, don't you understand how, how when you experience God and his kingdom and his ways and his love, that it becomes an amazing life. But it begins by embracing eight attitudes. Then the next thing he says, though, is you've got to live your life according to my word. You can't vary from it, not even to the smallest jot or tittle, the smallest stroke or letter. I want you to take all of God's word and be sold out in living in it and, and, and experiencing it in your life. And then he says, if you're going to do that, then you've got to be holy. Because God's a holy God. And, and so you can't be caught up in things that, that create immorality in your life and dysfunction in your life. And so you need to have personal holiness in how you think and how you act and how you treat others. And then he says, and you've got to have desire to have great personal relationships. Why? Because the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But the second's like it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. And we saw last week, Jesus said even more, love them like I love them. And so I want you to focus on having healthy relationships. Then the Lord says, if you are, have these attitudes in you and you're seeking to live a life that's honoring to God and you're loving and caring for people, he says, get ready. Now you're going to pray and have answered prayer like you've never had before. You're going to begin to experience God in a whole new way. And so he said, how do you pray? Well, first of all, you come to him as your father, our father who are in heaven. And then you begin to share with him and about his interest. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And here's the key. You ready? You have to be willing to live a life where you're saying, God, I want your will more than mine. I want your kingdom more than mine. I want your ways more than mine. And then he said, if that's true, you can ask and it will be given to you. You can seek and you will find. You can knock and the door will be open. He says, I'm going to have answered prayer happening that's going to blow your mind. And then he says, you aim at another thing in your life. Are you ready? You seek to live the selfless life. How? By obeying the golden rule. That you do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. That you treat other people the way you would want to be treated. That's what we looked at last week. And if you were with us, you know that the word treat literally means to be a creative force. To, to literally go in with the, the God nature that God has blessed you with, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and create in the lives of others amazing things that you wish were created in your life. Now, here's where we're at. Ready? When you do that, your life's incredible. 
When you do that, your life's exciting. When you do that, your life's invigorating because you're not selfish, you're selfless. It's more about serving others, pouring into others, making a difference in others. And whenever you do that, you find yourself more blessed than ever because it's more blessed to give than receive. Now, all of this is very different than how the average person lives. It's very different than how the majority of people live. And that's why Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is broad, or excuse me, the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few that find it. Jesus is saying, I want you to go the narrow way. I want you to take the road less traveled. I want you to live a life that's literally different than everybody else around you. The vast majority of people are never going to get this, but you can have it if you want it. And notice how he starts. He says, enter. Now, he doesn't say that, that, that it's just only for a few. He says it's for everyone, but only a few will enter. So he says, why don't you enter into this? Why don't you come and experience it? Why not come and do it? And if you haven't caught where this is going, please don't miss this. This is Jesus saying to me, And saying to you, I want this for you. Enter into this. Come into this. Open up to this. Let this be yours. If you haven't caught it again, this is God's great desire for every single person. We call this the salvation life, where you have life and not death. We call it the abundant life, where it's a life of amazing things occurring and not destructive, dysfunctional things happening. And God wants it for everyone. Listen to what it says in 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. It says, this is good. And acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to come to the knowledge of the, or to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He desires all men to be saved and to come. It's not, he, he really does. And it's not, by the way, just a blanket thing. It's because he cares about everybody uniquely. And so if you're here today and you're hearing this, let me tell you, God loves you more than you know. And he wants a life for you that's better than you can imagine. That's who he is. And the question is, do you want to enter into it? Later on in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, it says this, For it is for this we labor and strive. Now, I want to stop there. All of you who are part of the Crossroads family, it's for this that we labor and strive. We work hard at this so people would know. We do things and, and purposely try to take this message to people in ways that are effective. Why? Listen to what it says. For this we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. Now he wants to be the savior of everyone, but it's only those who truly will believe in him that he'll be the savior of. But it's not because he doesn't want it. He wants it for everyone. He wants it for everybody, whether you've been good or bad, whether you've been a saint or a sinner. It doesn't matter how you've lived your life. He loves you and he cares about you and he wants this for you. And here's the thing. Do we want to enter into it? It's his desire that we would. It's such a desire of God that he sin his only son it says uh, the most famous verse in all the bible in john three sixteen, for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life he wants this so bad for us that he sent jesus and had literally let him die on a cross and and gave him in our place that we might be forgiven and cleansed he wants it so bad that he hasn't come and judged the world yet god doesn't like this world He hates the evil in it. He hates the injustice in it. Why hasn't he come and put an end to it? Here's why. 2 Peter 3, 9. 
The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Why hasn't he come back yet? Why hasn't he put an end to this yet? A lot of people said, well, if God is such a good God, then how can he let there be evil in the world? Here's why. Because he's waiting for that last person to say yes to him. You're worth it to him. You matter to him. And he wants it for you. Now, I get amazed at the fact that God loves us that much. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we're going to see how unique that is and how it's the only way that we could ever enter to a relationship with him. But I get amazed at it. Uh, I love both my sons, Rich and Tim. I, I got to tell you, though, man, I never knew love before until I had grandchildren. Now, I know I talk about that all the time, but let me kind of bring that home. If after the service, we all walked out there and Jill comes up and she sets Liam on the ground and you come walking by and say, hi, Chuck, and you step out into the parking lot, just as one of our girls from Generate, who's 16 and got her driver's license, comes around the corner and she's heading right at both of you. And I have to make a choice, Liam or you. I got to tell you, I hope you're a Christian. <laughs> you're going down. I'll pray for you as I grab him. <laughs> you know what? I got to be honest. It's not even a choice. You might say, really? I, I mean, most of you go, I guess I get it. But I, I mean, but here's, do you know how much I'd have to love you to let him get hit? And, and if you haven't caught it, that's how much God loves you. Now, I know that just sounds like kind of a minor illustration, but it brings out a tr- an amazing truth. God couldn't love you more than he does. And he wants to have a relationship with you. He doesn't want to just be a God out here. He desires for you to come and have a relationship with him where you're living a life that is amazing and incredible and honoring to him. We fix our hope on a living God. We do this out of love. We do it because he loved us. That's his great desire. Now, notice what Jesus goes on to say. He says this in Matthew 7. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many find it. The way is wide. The gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. There are many who are on that. Now, now, he doesn't want it. He's making a statement about something he doesn't want to occur. And he's crying out to me and he's crying out to you. He says, come and enter into a different way. Don't go the way of destruction. Jesus in John 10.10 said, there's a thief that has come to steal and kill and destroy. But I, I came that you would have life and life abundantly. Now, now here's where we're at. He says, don't you realize the vast majority of people, even though they could enter into the amazing life, have chosen not to, and they're in the midst of destruction? And I want you to think about that. See, right now, it's the few who have chosen to really live a a God-honoring life, a life that's intimate with God. Very few people have. It's not that they couldn't have it, but very few will. And what we're watching is destruction happen constantly. How many people are in despair right now? How many people are actually living a life that's worthless? I mean, it really doesn't matter. When they die, it will be like, why did they even live? They've lived for the wrong things. How many marriages are, are, are literally messes and horrible and places of pain when on the other side over here, Jesus said, I want it to be so much better and so much more incredible. Why are we seeing so much divorce and so many children hurt and, and, and so many people? Do you realize we have the most depression in a society we've ever had? It's not because we're following God in his ways. It's because we're heading into destruction. And when you begin to ask the question, what works? What works? People who really love the Lord their God. Here's what's wild. 
There's been studies done by non-Christian groups, by secular universities. And they find that people who really truly believe the things of the Bible and live the way of the Bible, that our immune system actually operates at a higher level, that we have way almost no depression in groups that do that, that marriages tend to last, that children tend to be happier and do better in school. I mean, study after study after study. Everybody's verified that what Jesus said works. Bertrand Russell didn't believe it. Bertrand Russell is uh, probably one of the most famous atheists that ever lived. But I want to ask a question. If you look at the life of Bertrand Russell, or you look at the life of somebody that's followed Christ, who in the end has had a better life? Russell had destroyed marriage after destroyed marriage. His kids were estranged from him. And how did he die? Well, if we want to know, I think the best person to ask would be his daughter, Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate, by the way, became a Christian. Bertrand Russell, the famous atheist daughter, is a Christian. And listen to what she said in a book called My Father, Bertrand Russell. She said this, I could not even talk to my father about religion. I would have liked to convince my father that I had found what he had been looking for, the ineffable something that he had longed for all his life. I would have so liked to persuade him that the search for God does not have to be in vain, but it was hopeless. He had known too many blind Christians, bleak moralists, who sucked joy from life and persecuted their opponent. And he would never have been able to see the truth they were hiding. I'm going to read on, but I want to tell you, that breaks my heart. That, you know, the truth of the matter is when Jesus came, who did he have the biggest problem with? Religious people who attacked and persecuted people and robbed joy. That's not the teachings of Christ. He came saying, have life and have life abundantly. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And by the way, what bothers a lot of us is is people who say they're Christians and they have no joy. People say they're Christians and they're they're legalistic and mean-spirited and persecuting and attacking. Those people by their fruit are not Christians. Now, we're going to get that in a couple weeks. But the fruit of that's coming from them shows they really don't know God. By the way, if you're a Christian and you have an enemy, what do you do to your enemy? What does a Christian do to their enemy? Do we persecute and attack them? No, no. I know what you meant, bro. And, uh, and you know, you, when you find a Christian, you find somebody who loves, period. And by the way, when you find someone in need and you're a Christian, what do you do? You try to meet their need. Russell was turned off by the very people Jesus is turned off by. But the problem is he missed the point. Not only rejecting those people, he rejected Christianity and God completely and became an atheist. And and he lost everything. Listen to what it goes on to say. She says this. She says, my father's whole life was a search for God. Somewhere at the back of my father's mind, at the bottom of his heart, in the depths of his soul, there was an empty space that had once been filled by God. And he never found anything else to put in it. He had a ghost-like feeling of not belonging, of not having a home in this world. You know what she was saying about her dad? She goes, he was ghost-like. Death was enveloping my father, and I watched it. He never could find what really mattered. He could never find love. He could never find joy. That's why marriage is dissolved, and his children were estranged. And you ready for this? He died lonely. One of the most famous men on the planet died lonely because he rejected everything that mattered. Listen to what she said. She says, in a poignant passage, my father wrote, quote, nothing can penetrate the loneliness of the human heart 
except the highest intensity of the sort of love that religious teachers preach. He could see it, but he wouldn't have it. So he destroyed himself and destroyed his family and destroyed his children until his children found Christ. And Catherine Tate stepped over here and she found the love and she found the hope and she found the joy. And she begged for her father to leave the way of destruction and come be with him. And you know who else is begging for it? Jesus. Jesus loved Bertrand Russell. And it didn't matter that Bertrand Russell didn't believe in Jesus. Jesus believed in him and wanted it for him. By the way, I want to tell you, he wants it for me and he wants it for you. And he cries for us to come and live this life. He says, there are many people who are led to destruction and there are only few that find life. Now, by the way, don't miss that. Jesus says here that it's the majority, the many who are on the way to destruction and are not going to have life and only few find life. Now, this is very, very important. And if you haven't listened, I want you to listen. Please listen to this. If you have a belief system, that somehow makes everybody go to heaven, then you're wrong. If you've got a belief system that somehow, well, okay, I know that they weren't a Christian, but somehow, no, they don't go. Jesus is the only way, truth, and life. And Jesus said it as clearly as he could. You can't miss it here. He says, many are led to destruction. Few find life. And if we have the correct belief system, the one that's according to the Bible, the one that's the teaching of Jesus, then we see and know that not everybody's going to be saved and only the few are. Who is going to be saved? The ones that have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The ones who are saved by his name and no other. Jesus in John 14, 6 said this, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one, no one comes to the Father through me. And if someone has not given their life to Christ and have him as Savior and Lord, they're not going to be saved. They're not going to go to heaven. We need to understand it. That's why it's so vital that you and I go out and try to reach people with this message of love. Reach this, the message of a great life with God, of a life that's caring, a life that's meant to be filled. And by the way, let me say this. It has to be the right Jesus. We're going to get into next week the warning about false prophets. Yesterday, I want to tell you, I was talking to Jesus. He looked me in the eye and he said, you know what? I'm going to help you get a discount at Zendejas restaurant. I'm serious. Yeah, I know some of you going, are you, are you crazy? No, I, I looked him right in the eye. Uh, by the way, he pronounces his name Jesus. Um, and he's the new manager of Zendejas. And uh, by the way, all you who are at Crossroads, if you ask for Jesus, he'll give you a discount at Zendejas. So you, that's yours. And he's a great guy. He's going to do great things with the restaurant. But that really happened yesterday. But as good a guy as he is, he can't save my soul. He can get me a great burrito, but he can't get me into heaven. And you know, I'm serious now. Think about this. Do we know who Jesus really is? Do we know the one who is the way, the truth, and the life? Because it says in the Bible that he is calling out and knocking on the door of our heart and wants it desperately. So much so that he would give his life for it, that he'd move heaven and earth for it. And, and there is no other way that we can be saved. And, and here's what we need to understand. Whenever I act like uh, uh, me being a good person, or I act like, well, you know, all religions lead to God, I cheapen the death of the only begotten Son of God. Do you honestly think that God would let his child die if there was any other way? And there isn't. And he did it for us. He did it for love. He did it for you. He did it because you matter. 
We can't miss that. And so Jesus said, enter by the narrow way where only a few are going to find it. By the way, Luke 13, 23 and 24 is a little bit scary. Listen to what it says. It says, and someone said to him, Lord, are just a few being saved? Are just a few being saved? And Jesus said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Did you hear those last words? Strive to enter through the narrow door for many will even seek to and not be able. Not because God doesn't want them to. We can't miss that. He wants them to. But there's lots of people over here who are going to come on this side and then they're going to not end up staying. They're not going to make it. It's not going to be for them. It's only for the few. Many are called, few are chosen. Where does that come from? It comes from Matthew 22 verses 1 to 14. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a feast for his son. Now, who's the son? It's Jesus. God the Father, it says, wants to throw a huge feast, and you're invited. Listen to what it goes on to say. It says, And he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent out other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fattened livestock. They're all butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention. And they went their way, one to his farm and another to his business. And the rest seized his slaves and mistreated and killed them. Some people just aren't willing to come to God. Others are just too busy. Others are caught up in all these things in life. You know, I'm fixing up my house or, you know, I've got little league going or, you know what, right now I don't have time because I have to. And then there are other people who are just anti-Christian. And the bottom line is it doesn't matter which reason people don't come, they all miss out. But have you caught what's going on? The, the, The father has said to all of us over here, come to a wedding feast. Come away from this life of destruction and come to celebration. Come over here where we're going to have the fattened calf and the best of everything. And we're going to share together and rejoice. In the wedding, in, in the Jewish culture, nothing was more fun than a wedding. And God is saying, come live, come celebrate, come experience. And a lot of people are like, nah, I don't think so. And it's not that God doesn't want them to. Now, here's, here's where it gets a little bit scarier. Verse 7. But the king was enraged and he 